Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm explaining why I'm giving away 25 copies of my debut book, Champagne and Wax Crayons, Riding the Madness of the Creative Industries, and I'm asking for some help from you, the listener, to follow suit and to get valuable insights into our industry and artistic expression out into the world at a time when the UK government is hammering arts education, youth services, funding for the arts. It all paints a pretty damning picture and I'm going to talk about how I feel about that and why it's important that we push back. Hello and welcome back to the show, welcome back to Creative Condition Podcast, I'm your host Ben Tallon. I've got a hell of a list of guests lined up for you coming up very soon. We've got Dan Kieran, former CEO and co-founder of crowdfunding publishing platform Unbound, creative coach Jenny Lyons coming up talking about how you can find the right creative path for you. We've got Jo Henley returning to the show, also known as Miss Led, talking about her creative mentorship programme and uh, just being at one with the self and all the good things that come with that. Um, a quick shout out, thank you to the founding sponsor, continued sponsor of the show, illustrationx.com. Brilliant illustration agency representing animators, lettering specialists, fashion illustrators, muralized, live artists, the list goes on. I've been with these guys about 12 years now and we have a fantastic relationship. They help me get this show off the ground. They're very supportive of everybody on the agency being artists, the arts at large, arts education, and I'm sure they will be absolutely on board with the initiative I'm going to talk about today. Check them out on social. We are Illustration X and we and uh, illustrationx.com. You can check out all the portfolios there and the latest news and all the artists on the agency. So how have you been? I hope you're well. I hope you're staying sane in these challenging times, these surreal and often times where we can feel just glum, glum, defeatist, um, just hammered down by bullshit and negativity when it doesn't need to be that way. I think there are always ways to fight and to stamp ourselves on the times in which we live I don't want to get too deep because I'm probably going to do that in today's episode, so I don't want to start off too heavy. But, so, looking back, okay, Craig Ward of Ward Studio, it was a little while back and he posted a tweet where he said he had donated a number of design books to his old high school library. The idea being, if memory serves, that it took a lot of stumbling and accidental discovery of his own creativity and what it meant as an industry and how he can access it and it's an ongoing mystery for a lot of people and don't get me wrong with the internet now we have this wonderful resource that just wasn't there for a lot of us depending what time you were coming up in the industry or you were at school and I just thought what a wonderful idea what a wonderful generous idea that is about planting seeds that can go a long way so I think back to myself and you know I just didn't didn't click with academia at that time and the school system. I found I was falling asleep in afternoon lessons. I didn't find any real spirit for any subjects, no matter whether I was good at them, could be good at them, had some hidden ability. It's a very confusing time at school and it took 
some real chance to set me on a course that would eventually see me roll up on a BTEC in graphic design at Keighley College Art Department, where I'm from. And I'm not, I think I've told the story many times, and it's, it's in Champagne and Wax Crayons, the book that I'm giving away. So it's out there. But in a roundabout way, as a whistle-stop version of it, I was mischievous at school because I didn't have many other forms of ex- expression. I hadn't tapped into my true personality at that point. It was much about fitting in like it is for a lot of us at school. And it would take the wisdom and the steer of some selfless tutors who I'd gotten in trouble with to go, look, you can use these talents, you can use this energy that's that's creating mischief in a better way. Why don't you do this? Here's where you can go. And they pushed me essentially on a path that opened my eyes to this beautiful industry that I am now a part of. And so when Craig said that, I thought, what a brilliant idea. I wonder if I could do the same. And as is the way with me, it takes me a time to get onto this stuff. But recently I thought, hang on a minute, I've got, you know, X amount of copies here in boxes of my debut book, Champagne and Wax Crayons, because it was only last year that my contract with Lid Publishing, who released that book, came to an end. So I bought up the remaining stock, I've got them in my studio, and now sell them independently through bentallenwriter.com, my author website. And I can afford to give away 25 copies. I put that number on it because it felt rounded, and it helped me to get my head round it. I was like, okay, it's 100 quid's worth of postage. I'm willing to spend that because I care about this cause. I'm willing to sacrifice what amounts to around 300 quid for the copies of the books. Because if it wasn't for people like those teachers at school, and if it wasn't about mentors who've been in my path, I wouldn't be doing this. And I'd be a lot more miserable, I'm sure. And my life would have been probably a lot more discombobulated. Therefore, it makes me sad that for every student such as myself who had that guidance, there's probably... God knows, a hundred. Let's just put an arbitrary number on it, a hundred students who fall through the cracks, who never find that beautiful sense of purpose and that feeling of um, worth and belonging and the vital ability to convey what's in our head in a way that's right for us as individuals or a part of some collective group, some social group, or I don't know what that might be for you. And it's going... It's plunging. It's getting bad. This government are absolutely slashing funding and the value of artistic expression and the value of creativity because let's separate the two. I'm going to get into that shortly. But I want to, you know, I can't change a great deal with this book. I can put it out there. I can plant seeds. I can try to get it in schools, school libraries, public libraries, and hope that there's a younger version of myself who might stumble across this book and might read about my own toils and about the overall picture that I've tried to paint of what visual communication looks like, what the arts might offer you as a personality, as an, you know, as an individual, as a professional, whatever you want to take from it. Um, but I, want, I would like anyone who listens to this to think about how they might follow suit from Craig's wonderful example. And maybe Craig saw somebody else do that. I don't know what this, you know, where the chain of kindness begins and ends. And I don't think we need to know that because if people keep being generous and giving back, it perpetuates this wonderful thing that we have, which is generosity and warmth and kindness and passion for something that means something to us in this industry. That is abundant. I think anyone who's been in this game has probably come across that. And don't get me wrong, there's probably someone sat listening going, well, I've just worked with absolute dickheads my entire career. 
But I hope that the overriding sentiment is that we're all in this. We all care about it. We're all doing something that we at least don't hate. And hopefully the majority is it's passion and it's, it's love of this craft. And um, the idea, you know, if we all do that, and I know, I know I'm in a you know privileged position to have these books and be able to afford to pay that postage to send them out. But it doesn't mean that I would do that. You know, I'm doing this because I genuinely give a shit. This isn't some lame PR exercise, and um, I hope you don't think that's the case. But if you do, you're wrong, because I'm doing this for the reasons aforementioned. Um, but I'm alarmed by the current state of play, because, I mean, let's face it, with the police bill, and, you know, these attacks on, on our democracy and the right to protest, and cutting these means that people have to communicate and to express themselves in a way that can be constructive and can do something about this bullshit. I don't put it past this lot to, to be very calculated about doing this. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say it's my opinion and that's what's going on. But that's another conversation. So I collated, let's get started with this. I collated, no, actually, before I do that, I'm just going to, I'm going to read you the blurb of the book because I probably say it better in this than I do myself. But it's very short anyway. So champagne and wax crayons, riding the madness of the creative industry. This is the story of illustrator and art director Ben Talon's journey from his childhood hobby of drawing to a freelance career working with the world's most glamorous clients in illustration, graphic design, music, film and television. Detailing highs of securing dream client world wrestling entertainment and the laws of unconventional methods of paying the tax bill, this humorous, brutally honest documentation of navigating the art world alone and breaking into new markets introduces the real side of the creative industry and what you need to do to make your way to the top. And then there's the bio after it. I'm not going to read my own bio out. But, um, so that's the idea of the book. It's informal, it's, it's black comedy, but it's also warts and all balls out, here's the honesty, here's the ups and downs, here's how I, why I had to pay a tax bill with a football bet and the rest of it. It's, you know, it's, it gets under the skin of the kind of crazed, disjointed nature of how it feels to, to lead a career with creativity at times. But I also wanted to start off by collating a few of the reasons why I'm quite angry with this government and have been since 2010 when they really started to butcher youth services and the rest of it. So the UK government, this is from... Um, the arts professor, this is from the arts, the art newspaper. The UK government under Conservative Prime Minister Boris Johnson has shelved plans for an arts premium funding package from, for secondary schools, breaking a pledge made in the party's election manifesto in 2019. The premium would have amounted to around £270 million in funding, according to the website Arts Professional, but there was no mention of the policy in the autumn budget announced last week by Chancellor Rishi Sunak. The art newspaper understands that there are no current plans to introduce the arts premium initiative. This is from 2021, by the way, for clarity. Um, it's just another vanishing promise, isn't it? Let's not get, you know, broadly political because I'm really not equipped to do that, trust me. Um, now, this is from, this was written by student Juliet Grieve in The Cheese Grater, issue 8, January 2022. In July 2021, Gavin Williamson, the former Secretary of State for Education, announced the Conservative Party's plans to cut the Office for Students, uh, abbreviation OFS, budget for arts courses by 50%. The government contended that more funds should be prioritised for STEM courses, such as medicine and engineering. Any rational individual would agree with the logic behind this, especially following the COVID-19 crisis, where the safety of our country rested on the efficiency of the National Health Service and its critical workers. However, as an archaeology student, a subject including the government's definition of art courses, I cannot help have a personal discomfort with the messaging behind Williamson's decision. When the world is thrown into chaos and crisis, 
sorry, when the world is thrown into a crisis and funding is and funding is presented as a limited resource, it is easy to see how the arts have been placed on the back burner. Of course, a theatre performance is not imperative to our immediate survival. However, despite the government's minimisation of their importance, the arts are in fact crucial to human health and happiness. Moreover, the negative messaging behind the OFS decision will inv- inevitably permeate into public consciousness. The arts are being presented as unimportant and financially burdensome, with undoubtedly further discourage young people from disadvantaged backgrounds from pursuing careers in these sectors. There are already significant issues with regards to equitable access to the arts, data released by the Higher Education Statistics Agency, HESA, earlier this year revealed that of the five higher education institutions with the greatest proportion of privately educated undergraduates, four were specialised in the arts. The OFS is only adding to these disparities in education instead of helping solve them. The government is propagating the view that art should only be a frivolous bourgeois hobby through its continual devaluation of artistic professions. This rhetoric greatly undermines the importance of creative industries to our national economy, 11 billion annually, and the communal benefits of widening access to the arts. Such benefits include the the expression and documentation of marginalised experiences, the deconstruction of elite high culture, and ultimately the transgression of limiting artistic boundaries. In addition to these broader considerations, I am anxious about Williamson's decision for personal reasons. When considering my own future, my thoughts are mired with the simmering pressure that my ambition to pursue archaeology to graduate level and beyond may not result in a stable career due to increasingly limited academic posts. I have also spent the last two years, like all of us, feeling the loss and frustration of not being able to access the arts in the usual ways due to the pandemic. Despite these challenges and obstacles, my appreciation of the arts has only grown. Studying archaeology has taught me the importance of heritage, art and culture in shaping identities, manipulating power and communicating joy. From the 73,000-year-old cross-hatching in the Blombos Caves to the spectacular Olmec heads of Mesoamerica, I have no doubt that art is an essential component of the human experience. Ultimately, a strong sense of optimism remains. Williamson's announcement feels like an injustice because I believe there is a better solution. The government is increasingly feeding into the commodification of education by stifling subjects whose benefits cannot be exclusively financially quantified. By radically reassessing the potential economic and social benefits of the arts, and by committing to broadening access to them, the government may have an opportunity to reverse the detrimental messaging of the OFS cuts. If studying the past 200,000 years of human history has taught me anything, it is that the arts are important, even if the Conservative Party will have you believe otherwise. Uh, I thought it was an excellent little piece, and the bit, the most important bit that I pulled from there was the, the the feeling of frustration and that stifled sense of um, just undermining the human equity almost of the arts of, of artistic expression of creativity. It really is um, quite barbaric that kind of you know you can't anyone in this industry knows you can't put this stuff in a spreadsheet. You can't you can to a degree, and you only have to go and look at the. Uh, I think it was 11% or maybe even 12% of the UK economy was made up by the creative industries. It doesn't add up. This all feeds into this, my personal opinion, that this is about something deeper. This is about cutting our ability to effectively communicate with one another, you know, of artistic expression. I think it's dangerous to oppressive governments. I really do. Anyway, to carry on, this is from John Newbegin. 
chairman of Creative England, um, and this is from my own podcast. This is from episode five. It was then called Rest All, All Mimics. Of course, we are now the creative condition. Um, John spoke wonderfully about, I think at the time it was Nikki Morgan who was the um, education secretary. I forget her exact role, but she again, she was the one who kick-started this whole STEM emphasis, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that, but we need balance, and I think John puts it across beautifully in this excerpt from the show. John said, it's difficult to integrate more creative methods of teaching into an education system which is so focused on targets and exams. The modern school system started with Forster's Education Act 1870. These early schools were about preparation for life, as education should be, but also preparation for work, which again, education should partly be. But those schools were about the discipline of turning up on time, doing as you were told, learning your lesson and repeating it. The bell goes and you move a room every 40 minutes or so. All that is for education for a world where most people are going to be doing repetitive work in a factory or other managed environment. You look at the world of work now and it's just so totally inappropriate in every way. Arts and Humanities Research Council did this big research project in Brighton looking at 400 digital media businesses. Which ones were progressing faster than others? Unsurprisingly, what they discovered was that the companies where people from an arts background, people from a technology or science background, and people with business acumen regarded each other with equal respect, those companies were growing three times faster than the rest. Techies running it might turn up solutions that are very clever, but not likely not very consumer-friendly. The arts people are very imaginative, but their ideas might not necessarily work. And if the business people run it, you don't take the risk because of the constant focus on the bottom line. Ring any bells? That's my words, not John's, the last sentence. Uh, John continues, We all know that in a real world, these things must be balanced, so it's weird to think that we can have an education system where we don't do that. For the government to effectively penalise schools for, for that focus on arts and humanities is not only wicked because it deprives kids of the means of getting engaged with those means of creative expression that we have, or that we all have and all want to have and ways of understanding other people, but it makes no sense economically. It's a failed model based on harder work, more hours, homework for younger and younger children, and the more it fails, the more politicians are clinging to the wreckage as it sinks. Rather than admitting the way we are running the education system is wrong. And we need to rethink it, open it up, allow kids to express themselves and work collaboratively. So many employers are saying that people are turning up with all the qualifications but no social skills to work as part of a team. Well, bingo. If in school you did your homework as part of a social team, you get accused of cheating. School is about individual rewards, but success in the world of work is about learning to work as part of a team, not to mention interacting as a citizen in adult life as a human being. So I thought John was really on the money with that, and I just it leaves you scratching your head. Unless you hold the filter of greed and creeping autocracy over this stuff. The, the recent arrogance and disregard for human decency says everything, in my opinion. Why would a government prepare to be, rewrite policy to retain, you know, look at Johnson recently, to rewrite policies to retain power despite his own heinous misdemeanours? Why would they care about the well-being of, of their citizens? You've got to see it that way. I mean, it is a country with a majority of the population on its knees, holding out their hands with no means to pr protest or ex express their experience of being marginalised or trampled over. Is that not better for the government? Uh, I'll leave you to consider that. It makes like little more sense to me when you view it that way. I mean, is that the truth? You hope not, but it's hard to think any other way. Um, the rising youth violence, that's troubling, but to me, really unsurprising. 
you know, when you wake up and you hear on the news that someone else has been stabbed and I just kind of despair and go, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, marginalize the youth, make them feel downtrodden and worthless. This shit happens. They've got access to this stuff. Uh, I mean, this. so this was the YMCA. Figures uncovered by YMCA reveal the true extent of cuts to youth services funding by local authorities in England and Wales since 2010 when the Conservative government got back in. With an allocation of just under £429 million in 2018-19 compared to £1.4 billion in 2010-11, a real-terms decline of 70%. Especially when you throw in the caveat of the crazy rise of cost of living, inflation, and all of that just feeds into the mental health crisis, which personally, uh, I have no doubt that these things, at least in part, can be effectively impacted with greater access to the belonging purpose and the transferable life skills that we learn through creativity, you know, artistic expression. Um I, I I keep separating artistic expression and creativity. You might have noticed that it's a very conscious decision, um, and in fact, uh, it's, it's quite a. I've been writing a lot for the Creative Condition book recently, and it's a it's a crucial prerequisite for that book, as I explain close to the introduction, um, to separate the two because it's one of the chief reasons that so many people come to believe that they're not creative when it's a fundamental, inescapable part of the human condition. Um, this illusion that creativity must fall into counterproductive depictions, you know, painting an easel, strumming a guitar, being all bohemian and arty, or whatever else you want to put it, uh, or performing on a stage for that matter. Um, it's, it's a massive age-old misconception. I could go on about that stuff, but all of this stuff comes out of this complete devaluing and uh, demonising of artistic expression and the, and the arts and creativity. Only this week, um, I think it was yesterday actually at the time of recording, Sheffield Hallam University followed Cumbria very sadly in closing its English literature degree. Um, here's a Guardian, this is a Guardian article I'm going to read which says it a lot better than me. Um, the award winning author Philip Pullman has said the study of literature should not be a luxury for a wealthy minority of spoilt and privileged aesthetes after it emerged that Sheffield Hallam University is to pull its English literature degree from next year. He was one of a number of writers to raise concerns about the university's decision to stop teaching the standalone degree and incorporate it instead into a broad based English degree. A year after the University of Cumbria took similar action. A Sheffield Hallam spokesperson confirmed that English literature was among a small number of its courses that were being either suspended or closed, largely due to the lack of demand. They said that the changes would not involve job losses. Pullman told The Guardian, The study of literature should not be a luxury for the wealthy minority of spoilt and privileged aesthetes, but a spring of precious truth and life that every one of us is entitled to. A number of universities have made... Cuts to arts and humanities provision after a government crackdown on what ministers regard as low-value courses. Under proposed new rules under consultation, universities could face penalties of fewer than if fewer than 75% of undergraduates complete their courses and fewer than 60% are in professional jobs or studying for further degree within 15 months of graduating. <sighs> About 70% of graduates of Sheffield Hallam's English literature degree gain graduate jobs. Pullman said, without literature, without music and art and dance and drama, people young and old alike will perish of mental and emotional and imaginative starvation. We really do have a government of barbarians. 
The Vice-Chancellor of Sheffield Hallam, Chris Husbands, cautioned against conflating the changes at his university with a broader national concern about the debate on the importance of the arts. And if we don't review... Sorry, I got that wrong. Let me start again. The Vice-Chancellor of Sheffield Hallam, Chris Husbands, cautioned against the conflating the changes at his university with a broader national concern about the government's attitude to the arts and humanities, saying we distract from the debate on the importance of the arts if we don't review and re-energise our humanities offerings. James Graham, the writer of the critically acclaimed TV series Sherwood, who did a, dra- a drama degree at Hull, saw the move as part of a trend with arts and creative subjects slowly disappearing, not just from higher education, but from primary and secondary schools as well. It's just deeply depressing that one of the great British success stories of the last few years, the arts and the entertainment industry, is going to be systematically weakened and diminished because it's being eradicated from education in the UK, he said. Sarah Perry, the best-selling author of Melmoth and the Essex Serpent, said, I suspect this is only the latest symptom in the disease creeping across education at all levels, in which learning has been stripped of everything but the most utilitarian aims designed to form minds into nothing but cogs in the capitalist machine. It's dismal and dehumanising, and I'm afraid its effects will be far-reaching. Sarah Hall, an author and professor of practice at the University of Cumbria, said, It's awful, absolutely awful. I wish it wasn't happening. She said the loss of English Literature BA courses was difficult, but at Cumbria, the university offered progressive specialist alternatives. There are different ways of responding to change, and all university and education models sometimes benefit from refreshing. In recent years, universities have seen a slump in applications for humanities courses. According to the university's admission service, UCAS acceptances for English studies, including English Literature, decreased from 9,480 in 2012 to 6,435 in 2021. Sheffield Hallam said arts and humanities remained a vital part of the university and added that from 2023 it would be offering English literature as part of a broad-based English degree, taking in language, literature and creative writing. Um, Joe Grady, the General Secretary of the University and College Union, UCU, said the decision by Sheffield Hallam to shut down its English literature course is is as shocking as it is depressing but seems part of a wider agenda being forced on universities by the government against the arts and humanities. Michelle Donnellan, the Minister for Higher and Further Education, said the government recognised that all subjects, including the arts and humanities, can lead to positive student outcomes. But she added, Courses that do not lead students on to work or further study fail both students who put their time and effort in and the taxpayer who picks up a substantial portion of the cost. Um... It's hard to express just how angry I get when that wanton, wanton tossing around of taxpayer money. It's just, it, that's bait for linear thinking, for people who look at the arts and go, oh, why should I be funding, you know, students tossing it off, smoking weed and sitting in a common room? You know, that's the kind of tick that was around in the 80s when student grants were going on. And um, it's this comes from a government who just literally burned four billion worth of unusable PPE. Spent twelve billion on this stuff at extortionate prices. Um, it's well worth watching the brilliant led by Donkeys expose video on the dubious nature of these contracts. That's another conversation entirely, but I'm not having that I'm not having the use of taxpayer money when that shit's going on. And I think it's um you know they 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 chart from two thousand twelve there to two thousand twenty one. Yeah. No surprise, because from day one when this government got in, they've started slashing budgets and planting these seeds. Um, going back to the earlier Cheese Grater article, 
Exactly that. It's the it's the it's the fucking um, darkening and and turning everyone's expect. Right, let me get my words right. Everyone's perception of the arts turning it down a notch, dumbing it down, making it linear when it's absolutely anything but that. I just think it's disgusting. I really do. And to go back to Craig Ward, who gave me this idea, he um, on his own Twitter account he pointed out this misleading league table of you know lowest average salaries in the Daily Telegraph, and um, and he said he knows photographers who charge more than that for one image, and he's absolutely right. There is a lot of money to be made in this industry, and I know that doesn't go for everyone, but. That only happens if people are given the right creative education and they can think on their feet and they can work towards a calling that's right for them. So to, to data murder creativity's transferable nature this way is just to discount all those people who took the less tangible learnings of an arts degree and moved into some other direction, you know? You can't put a time limit on it. To do that is fucking preposterous. So a friend of mine, Joe Henley, who's misled, and she's been on this show several times and is going to be coming up on a future episode... It took Joe eight years after graduating from a fine art degree to start illustrating or even start picking up the threads of her creative career. And she worked in jobs like waiting and and other kind of service industry jobs in the meantime. Since then, she's gone to become one of the leading illustrators in the world. She's wonderful. Drummed up such a massive following, such prestigious work. This stuff takes time. Kit Duval, an author I've been reading a lot of recently, who wrote My Name is Leon. She started... She wrote that novel in the latter half of her 40s. Why? Life, you pillocks. Life. Kit wrote from an early age, and then she worked in criminal and family law, also as a magistrate for 15 years. And she returned and began to study writing again, creative writing, when her kids were more grown up and more independent. And now she's absolutely killing it. Her writing is amazing. They've just made a TV adaptation of My Name is Leon. Just another amazing... Um, British TV show um, and a more amazing creative output so again to discount life's journey and this amazing nature of creativity is just to completely trash all of it look at the Beatles for God's sake they had to go just this weekend Paul McCartney killed it 80 years old at Glastonbury three hours set the Beatles slogged their way around Hamburg famously playing night in night out living you know by the seat of their ass to make it happen you pull that away now and the Beatles never happen. Think of that. I know people on the, who are studying on my own degree who are just finding their feet now, 16 years on. Have they sat on, the tire, have they sat on their asses for all that time? No. Have they, they've worked sometimes in completely different sectors, sometimes in fields associated with illustration. Good friend of mine, Rick Liptrot, his recent output's been fantastic. Working with some awesome clients, really developing his style. He worked in a framers in York for a lot of years. Is that wrong? Does that fall under these charts of uh, highly skilled jobs inside 15 months? Utter bollocks. Sorry, I'm quite angry, so I, I get a little bit sweary when I'm uh, when I'm angry, but I hope you are too. Life is simply not linear. That's what I want to close this thing out of. But if, if we're going by this government's track record in power, these Vikings in suits would happily put life in, do you know, in some arbitrary league table to illustrate why we need to defund that as well. Oh, hang on a minute. I'll leave that one with you. Anyway, the point is here, I need your help, listeners. I'm from a working class background. I stumbled into the arts very clumsily and it involved a great deal of fortune to do so. Um, There's not a day goes by when I don't think about how that, with just one minor difference, could have been completely dismantled and never happened. So I want to try and help 
these kids who are less fortunate than me, who might be exposed to our industry with our help and all the possibilities that it brings and outlets for mental health and ways to express the good, the bad and the ugly of their lives, you know? All the possibilities, personal and professional. I've said it many times, but I would be in a far worse state of mental health were it not for my creativity. The purpose that it gives me and my ability to communicate what's in my head in a way that works for me is nothing short of life-affirming. Um, sadly, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better in this country. It might take a lot of time, but that's why I'm putting up you know, what equates to 400 quid's worth of my own money or you know, book assets to just try and do something about all of the above. But that only happens if you guys get on board. Maybe you've got a couple of books sat on your shelves that you haven't opened for years. Pick them up. Take them, you know, if you can't even afford to package them up and post them. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I know the shit's hit the fan. Look at the size of the utilities bill at the minute. Walk them down to your public library and donate them. Or get in touch with somebody from your local school. Drop them an email. There are really easy ways to do this. Send them a copy of an ebook. you know. I just think there are infinite ways that if we get some collectivism here, that we can fight back. It doesn't have to be about picket lines and... Um, and placards, even though those things are utterly crucial and those are things that are also endangered right now in the UK, which makes me really sad to say. Um, but, you know, this podcast is another way of me contributing to creative education. How could I have done over 180 episodes if that wasn't the case? You have to find the passion to do this stuff because it's quite hard work to upkeep a podcast, but it was always about that for me. It was always about contributing something that I could leave behind in the arts that other people might learn from. Um, it will always continue to be that as long as I'm doing it and I don't intend to pack it in anytime soon. So I hope you will consider, you know, what you can do to, to help me on this. Um, I would help, I would like your help in getting these books into school. So if you're a teacher, if you're a, a librarian, if you know your local teacher or librarian, if you've got teachers in the family, let me know. Or if, even if you just know an individual kid that might benefit from it, give me a shout. They, you know, I, I put this thing out about a week ago and I, I've very kindly had about six, seven people get onto me to either take a book or help get it into their local library, which is very, very empowering and it gives me a real buzz and just helps me feel like there is some hope in doing this. So have a think. How can you help me? How can you help by getting something out to your local institutions? I really think it's a time to do that, so I hope you will do so. You can email me at hello at bentalent.com or you can head over to bentalentwriter.com to check out more about the book. Um, supporters of the show illustrationx.com go and check them out this podcast wouldn't be possible without them have a great week guys um do your reading it's all out there the stats are pretty damning but we've been through this before we'll be through we'll be going through this for a while and i'm sure we'll go through this again and the only way that we stay here to do anything about it is by coming together so i hope you take something from this show i'm sorry if it was a bit rambly i'm sorry if my stats are all over the show nice one thank you for listening